visit a podcast in three. <laughs> go, go, we are live. We are live for the Bad Movie Vaults. Hello, Bad Movie Vaults fans, listeners. Welcome to another episode where we talk about some shitty old film from the past. <laughs> and did they tell you the other day that apparently the listeners for this show have literally gone through the roof? Um, yeah. Are we going to talk about this on yeah. <laughs> What, the, our number of listeners? Yeah. Yeah, now there are five of you. Yeah. <laughs> we are halfway towards double figures. <laughs> um, so what do we, we watch? Well, I tell you, uh, we watched a film called The Visitor. Uh, it's a 1979 El Visitore film. El Visitore <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah we haven't done a, um, a, a crazy Italian film in, a, in, a, in so many months so we thought it was time to do another one so this is an Italian film it's uh, directed uh, credited as uh, the director is Michael J. Paradise but actually <laughs> the director is Giulio Paradiso so he's an Italian chappy uh, and he was a director of photography for Fellini. Uh, and he didn't want to make some kind of horror Italian quickie. He wanted to make like a proper film with art. Right. Um, which and, is and why... did he ever? Well, not, <laughs> did he get around to doing that? Not exactly. But it uh, might explain why the visitor is so full of kind of crazy bastard images <laughs> that kind of are very fun to watch but don't really connect in any sort of real narrative <laughs> sense. So, um, so The Visitor. So, um, uh, what did we think of The Visitor? Initial thoughts. Have you heard of it before? Did, had you seen it before? I think we were going to do this film a few about a year ago. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember me and Scott watched it. Yeah. You, or you, most of it. You did, you did mention it a while ago as a film you might consider doing it at some point in the future. So I went out and bought it. So, yes, I had seen it. Then, but that was the first time I'd ever heard of it, is when you mentioned it. Yeah, and I watched it for the first time. Um, so Arrow in the UK put out Blu-ray. Yeah. I picked that up, and I watched it for the first time like, about 18 months ago uh, and thought it was bonkers. Um, I thought it would be a good one for us to talk about, and then it just ended up on the back burner. And then um, I was thinking of what we could do this time around, and I thought, well, I was never going to around to do The Visitor, so uh, let's talk about The Visitor. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, it's got like a really good cast for a Italian, you know, quickie because we've got um, John Houston, we've got um, Shelley Winters, we've got Glenn Ford turn up as a detective, yeah. um, Mel Farrar, uh, Sam Peckinpah is in the film, yeah, um, and um, a really really young Lance Henriksen. I was like, he's got a lot of name actors but they're all either <coughs> right at the end of or right at the beginning of their career aren't they so they would never have got them when they, no, they, would, they would never have got them over to Rome I think no. for this crazy <laughs> bullshit film yeah. uh, if they had been at the height of their respective powers <laughs> no. so yeah you've got a few like Lance Erickson was very very early in his career yeah. and there's a very funny uh, there's a very funny interview um, is that you having an idea <laughs> Talk about Lance Harrison. No, that was my missus texting me. Well, we'll we will no doubt not edit this out because yeah. whenever we say we should edit something out, it never does. We've said it before. Well, we are not funny. professional. <laughs> <laughs> there are professional podcasts available. So you, so you say Lance Hendrickson was young. Do you have any idea how old he was then? Because 
even though, yes, he is young as he is compared to what he's now, right? And he's <laughs> the youngest. And it's early films. He's the youngest I've ever seen him. He still looks forty, but I'm thinking, is that what people looked when they were twenty five <laughs> in nineteen eighty? Because you know, everyone had a tougher life back yeah. then. <laughs> he was no, he was thirty nine. Okay, okay, He was thirty nine when he did. The visitor. I'm going to stop taking the piss, Ned. You actually made valid yeah. points. Yeah. Point. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so maybe he was like a late starter because when he talks about it, he talks about it as being early in his career, but like he wasn't a teenager or anything. He's 39. Right. And in the film, he's playing uh, a guy who is successful, who owns a basketball team, which will have nothing to do with anything, um, <laughs> and is interested in marrying this woman who's already married and has a daughter. Did, so he's not like a, he's not like a teenager or anything. Was like this that. before uh, Damien Omen 2? That was, D- Damien Omen 2 was before this, wasn't it? It was 78, wasn't it? Yes. Because it's actually a pretty similar character, I think. Sure. Yeah, very similar. Really? Yeah. Similar to the Omen? But his film. character is what, very this similar. What, this film? Similar to the Omen? No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> You're drawing comparisons no, no. to the Omen trilogy. No, I'm drawing comparisons to Lance Henriksen's character in this film. To Daniel and to. then later on, Omen 4 will go and rip this off, <laughs> uh, having a female Antichrist. <laughs> oh, spoilers. So, <laughs> during this period of Italian cinema, there was a lot of this stuff going on where, um, where Italian filmmakers would rip off American movies, make their own versions of them, shoot them in English and Italian, um, uh, and they would work very well for both markets, which is exactly what the plan was for The Visitor. So, I mean, like the most famous one, I think, and the one that got taken to court was Great White, which was a complete, you know, rip-off of Jaws. Um, the Visitor started out as a rip-off of The Exorcist. And if you watch the documentary on the, on the disc, the, um, the screenwriter, who was a guy called Luciano Camici, who was an Italian-American and, and was fluent in both languages, so he was brought in to do the screenplay. And uh, the producer of the film, whose name was something like uh, Olive, Olive, I want to say Ollivander, but I'm pretty sure he's the guy that, um, that makes the wands in Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it, that's it. It's, it's um, Ovidio G. Asenitis. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Mm. But he was the producer of the film. He is an Egyptian-born Italian guy or Egyptian born but living in Italy. Anyway, played by a Scotsman. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Played by, really, really by Sean Connery. Um, and he was very clear that he wanted this to be the visitors to be an exorcist ripoff. And he gets this guy in to write the film. Um, and the idea, the original screenplay, the idea was that um, there was a girl who was possessed by Satan, mm-hmm. and there's an exorcist who's John Huston's character, who has a team of exorcists around him. Uh, but the particular demon that is inhabiting this girl can only be exercised by John Huston's character because he's got some sort of special ability or special knowledge of how to get rid of this demon. So originally as written, it was very much um, an exorcist film. Right. Um, and the director, who like I say... Was it was a director of photography for Fellini, so a bit a bit of an arty guy, had loads of batshit crazy ideas about how this thing should play out. Mm. So should it be uh, Satan, uh, demons, or should it be, you know, 
aliens and outer space and 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 oh and we've got to put some birds in it <laughs> um and and we definitely want like um uh, 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 ice skating scene. So it's kind of like all this. He had ideas, but yeah. like almost like he had like an, a Hitchcockian or Argento vibe to, to to this stuff. And then, and also maybe a I don't know, like a like a like a two thousand and one or Close Encounters kind of vibe in terms of you know lights and weird visual effects and. Mm-hmm. That he wanted to do all that kind of stuff, mm. like a symphony of the planets kind of, kind yeah. of stuff, um, and the producer didn't want any of this, um, and actually at one point sacked him from the film, mm-hmm. and the screenwriter says, and this is he doesn't know if this actually happened or not, uh, so it might be apocryphal, but he mentions it on the documentary that uh, the director was connected. <laughs> and some guys came around with guns and told him he needed to rehire the director. <laughs> so he rehired the director, and that's the guy that finished the film. And the screenwriter was sacked because uh, the director thought he was in on the plan to get him sacked. So the film was then completed without that scriptwriter, and obviously changed a hell of a lot from the original kind of exorcist ripoff to become, I think, a ripoff of about five or six different um, uh, American films. So basically, you mentioned basically it's nice film you've got here, Governor. Be a shame if something happened to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, but with the mafia. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know what yeah. that accent was. That was I mean, Monty Python. Was it Monty yeah, Python? It was nice. That's like. Luigi Vicotti. Oh, I see. <laughs> Very good. Um, so what is the film? What is the film uh, rip off of? It's a bit Omen, isn't it? It's a bit. It's a bit Exorcist. It's, yeah, it's, it's a bit more Fury. A bit Exorcist-y. It's a bit Close Encounters. It, it is two thousand and one. Yeah, it's a bit too fancy. It is all the things that you just said. It's a bit like that. Yeah, it's well, mashed up in a pot and taken out of order. It feels <laughs> slightly like, um, in terms of how lucid and weird it is in places, it feels a little bit like Exorcist too, as well. <coughs> oh, hundred, I think actually of all of those Exorcist 2 is probably the closest thing it resembles yeah. because it's a film where narrative I think takes a second um, takes uh, like, yeah, backseat like, to, back to imagery and I think that's exactly what John Borman did in Exorcist 2 was kind of throw elements of the plot away because he was actually more interested in kind of some sort of visual style mm. and I think that's 100% what happens in uh, the visitor, uh, and I, and I, in a way, it, it's a, it's kind of as a for me anyway because I, I really like this film. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's as because the narrative is baffling, and because it's really just holding together a series of vignettes or scenes or set pieces, mm. um, which are, uh, taken on their own are kind of kind of fun. Um, I find the whole film fun because. The narrative stringing all this together is shit. Um, the actors all look baffled, and they're all really good actors as well. Yeah, for not for not really knowing what the fuck's going on from one scene to the next. Um, and because because the the visual style of it takes such uh, an important position, there's there's literally the kind of language a film almost gets wrecked. You know, there's a bit there's a bit where. Um, John Houston comes down a really, really long staircase 
whilst um, the ice skating scene is going on. Mm. Oh, yeah, you keep, I remember that. You keep <clears throat> cutting back between the, the girl, the kind of Reagan character, Katie, um, who is basically beating the shit out of about 20 ice skating <laughs> dudes, um, which is a sequence which must take place over at least five or ten minutes, whilst John Houston. Oh, and when you come back to him, it's almost he's gone further back up the stairs and he's <laughs> coming down the same set of stairs again. And it's almost like the narrative... There's another bit where the, where the cop, the Glenn Ford character, sneaks into the house and he just goes straight to a plant pot and finds a mechanical bird. Yeah. He doesn't search the house. Mm. He, he just goes straight in, like someone's tipped him off. Straight in, straight to the plant pot. He gets attacked by a hawk. I'll get into why a fucking eight-year-old girl has a hawk. Later, um, flies his mechanical bird. That's it's almost like the plot. Just got to get it, get it out of the way. Yeah, because we need to get to the next, you know, scene, which might be a car crash or a bird attack or <laughs> the ice skating scene or somebody getting shot with a gun, um, or people up on a roof and yeah. some sort of weird light show. Um, so the, the plot is almost dispensed with in these super quick moments that when you think about it, make no sense. How does a cop know to look in a plant pot? Mm. What is he doing He's going into the house anyway when there's no one there? What, what's, what's he doing? What's going on? fucking <laughs> mad. It's baffling, but I, I've got to say, I did find it a lot of fun. What mm. were your overall impressions? We enjoyed it. I think we were watching it and we had a lot of laughs yeah. with it. Yeah, it, yeah. it. Just from scene to scene. But I think like some of these films... Scene to scene, you kind of follow what they're doing in that particular scene or what might be going on in that one scene. Yeah. But then when you finish the film, you sort of look yeah. at the whole picture and go, no, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah, I don't have a clue what was going on What there, was going so, on? Yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no, like you said, no narrative through line. You can't follow plot A, uh, point A, and follow it through to point Z and actually have a clue what the film was about. Yeah. Although, on the second viewing, there are a lot of bits there that all of a sudden dawned on me that I can't believe I missed the first time I watched it. Like the whole God-Devil allegory, that uh, that completely passed me by the first time. Sure. It's, and it's fucking obvious when you watch it the second time. Sure. Unless you wonder what I was watching. And I think, I think it's because mm. the film is um, deliberately confusing because it, it, it introduces unnecessary elements that kind of muddy the waters a little bit. Um, and make it maybe slightly harder to follow. Like, if it was God and Satan, that would all be fairly straightforward. Mm. But obviously we have, and I'll get into it when we talk about the plot, but 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 Satan isn't Satan in this film. Satan no. is Satin, yeah. who is a alien. Yeah. So, you know, and that stuff's, and, that, and that's okay. If that's the only thing that's going on, that's kind of okay. Mm. But in this film, we've also got birds attacking people and, like the dogs in Omen, and we've got the we've got this kid. We've got parcels with guns in. It's kind of we've got we've got Jesus. We've got some bold kids. Yeah. We've got some people up on a roof doing something. I'm still not clear entirely what. Um, <laughs> so what kind of the, um, special so, council about old men. Who wanted, yeah, so they're yeah. like a they're like a cabal was, who who want to bring. About the like, yeah, they're, they're like, imagine they're the cabal that want to bring the antichrist back. So, right. what, what I was thinking was the bold guys were angels, basically angels. That cabal of businessmen were basically demons. You've got Zatine, who's supposed to be Satan, and John Houston's God. And then you've got Jesus, who's Franco Nero. Who's Franco Nero. Oh, what the fuck was he doing in it? I've got no idea. Effectively, that is it. And actually, all the bold <clears> people <throat> are 
children, Satine's children, yeah. who have been, we discover later at the end of the film, who have been exercised of the of that evil element yeah. and have joined the goodies. Um, should we should we should we run through it? Yeah, there's, yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of fun yeah, fucking stuff yeah, to talk about in this film. I will try <laughs> to make head or tail out of this. Um, the cold opening is baffling to start with because we're in like the desert, and uh, John Houston is looking at some robed figure, um, and there's dodgy cloud effects in the sky, yeah. the red sky, um, and we don't know what we're watching. Is it a dream? I still don't know if it was a dream or a vision or what it was. But anyway, the road figure comes towards John Houston, and we see like the road flaps in the wind, and we see it's a little girl, little girl wearing little girl's clothes. Uh, but then when a hood falls off her face, she's got like a weird, like I don't know what it was. I don't know what kind of breakfast cereal was used to create this effect. Yeah, looks like she's got muesli on her face. Is this and, a thing? And then weird eyes. No. Yes. Don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that, I think this is a vision. I think this is a vision that John Houston has about who the next descendant of Satine will be. Because in the next scene, we go to Franco Nero, who appears only twice in the film, once at the beginning, once at the end. So the guy, Italian actor, who was in the Django films, here he's basically playing Christ. Yeah. And doesn't he look the part? Mm-hmm. With his blue eyes, he's got long blonde hair, he's got robes on. White. Yeah, it's all about it's all about the white. Yeah. His dad is dad's tastic. He's definitely white in his white and white robes. Um, he is telling a story to a bunch of bold kids. Sure, why not? Um, and the story is kind of basically the outline for what's going to play out in the rest of the film, which is there's an evil alien called Satine, who at some point was on a prison ship. Because uh, he'd been captured by a, a bloke called Commander Yafid or Yafet. Yeah, I think it was ya- Yahweh. Yahweh, yeah, which, uh, yeah, again, which yeah. is yeah, yeah. Yahweh, Yahweh, something like that. Um, but he escapes and he goes and hides on Earth. A Satine is a mutant, and uh, you have to say it, mutant. Mutant. Yeah. <laughs> he is a he is a mutant <laughs> with occult powers. So the commander. Right? So, uh, this is the story that Franco Nero tells. Sends an army of trained birds to kill him. Right. Why? Because there's going to be a lot of birds in this yeah. film. Yeah. Um, because birds. Uh, but Satine turns into an eagle and kills them all. Except for three who managed to wound him fatally in the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they managed to wound him fatally in, in the, the brain. brain. Um... But the thing is, although that sorted Satine out by wounding him fatally in the brain, in the brain uh, Satine has been busé. He's been making some busé on the earth, and he has shanked some earth women's. Uh, so there are descendants of Satine. Right. right. But there's also descendants of the commander, and they are still fighting each other. So this but, is God and Satan. But the commander's I not guess. dead, is he? Did, did Satine kill the commander then? It sounds to me like the commander managed to kill Satine, not the other way around. So, does he even need descendants to fight Satine? Couldn't he just be there? I don't, I don't know. I You'd have to ask Frank Houston. Yeah. So. Yeah, but is John Houston the descendant of 
the C- Commander y- Yawa. I don't know. Christ, they're old Commander Yawa then if John Houston's his fucking descendant. Cause he's like, well, I, 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 I take it this was a while ago. <laughs> right, okay. I this is the, if this is the God <laughs> origin story, Scotty, yeah. it's not last week, is it? Yeah. It's going to be some significant time ago in the past. Yeah. I think, but, I think so. Okay. Anyway, John Houston um, bundles in. And tells, he doesn't bundle, does he? Says, he? he bundles strolls, in. Strolls in. He bundles in. And he, <laughs> and he announces, this is what he says, her name is Katie Collins, and she will be eight years old. Right? Okay. Well, we don't know what this means, movie, but we do know it's significant, because straight after he says it, the music goes, dun, dun, <laughs> da da in this kind of disco 2000 version of 2001 yeah. that's going to play every time someone says anything of significance <clears throat> in the rest of the film. Oh, yeah, but <laughs> whether it's totally right or not, it's, <laughs> it's going to play. <laughs> yeah, whether it's totally correct or not. So, um, well, we'll find out what this means. Um, <laughs> at some point, maybe. Uh, cut to Atlanta, right? Sure, Atlanta, Georgia. Why? Because there's tax breaks for Italian films yeah, okay. shot in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> oh, okay. So um, we uh, we cut to Atlanta, Georgia, and we meet um, we meet three characters. We meet um, Barbara, who is the mum of Katie, the Katie Collins, mm-hmm. um, and her boyfriend Raymond, played by Lance Henriksen. Uh, so she is divorced. Uh, and, and Kate is from a previous marriage and a current boyfriend, Lance Erickson. Uh, he owns a basketball team for reasons mm-hmm. which yeah. will have nothing to do with the plot or anything. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they are watching the basketball game. There's a really odd scene here where a reporter tries to ask him where his money comes from and he refuses to say... And eventually, he's, to get rid of the reporter, he says, comes from God. Right. I don't know. No, yeah, that, that, bit, that happens. And I'm not sure what it's meant to imply. Like, the dodgy, is there something dodgy about Lance's money? Is there something dodgy about his answer? Yes. So, <laughs> so is this foreshadowing? If it is, it's pretty clumsy because it's a bit... You know, it's, we don't know there's a reason for there to be a baddie in this film, let alone the fact that it's Lance. So this is... He looks dodgy. Crummy, foreshadowing. as the team are playing. Shifty-eyed, yeah. isn't he? Um, and the interviewer, pushy. Yeah. So he's quite pushy. I want to know where the money's from. Where's the money from? Yeah. Um, None of your business. So the end. San Francisco are about to beat the Atlanta team that Lance Erickson owns. Um, so there's seconds to go, and they are uh, and Atlanta are one point ahead. But Kareem Abdul Jabbar, not that joking, that's who it is, mm. uh, is about to basket a basket. I'm not yeah. sure how it's about, about to put the ball in there. Is that basket. what it's called he's in basketball? They call it putting balls in baskets. He's yeah. trying to. He's going to about to basket the basket. Right. He's about to do a hoop. He's yeah. about to hoop, hoop the hoop. Yeah. Yeah. And the little girl looks at the hoop that he do, and suddenly it explodes. Yeah, right, yeah. And no one, everyone's sort of like, oh, the game's over, and oh. they've lost. No one goes, no, fuck, what no, the no. fuck just happened? What just happened? The whole hoop just exploded. That's literally, not normal. I've le- literally never seen that happen before, ever. I've been a commentator for the basketballs for 25 <laughs> years, and I've never seen I've never, never seen, seen one of those I've seen all kinds of 
balls in hoops. Yeah. But I've never seen a hoop explode. I've seen those balls bounce all over the court, and yeah. I've never <laughs> seen one explode before. I've had balls flying in my face for years, <laughs> and I've never seen a hoop explode. But no one seems particularly bothered, <laughs> and they all decide that the exploding hoop is well, whatever. The, the, the Atlanta win. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, who cares? So presumably things can explode in basketball mm. games. Yeah. I'm not a, like I said, I'm not a fan. No, I'm um, a, I know nothing about basketball. Me neither. But I know, maybe that's not in the rules. I think, not... I mean, mate, I don't yeah. know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's not against basketball law. We then, <laughs> we then cut to um, Lance Erickson in bed with uh, Barbara. And... Um, uh, and then we have like a horrific piece of pillow talk stroke exposition thing mm. where he says he basically wants to marry her. She doesn't want to get remarried and she doesn't really want to have any more kids. So that's she, causing a bit of tension. Yeah. Anything she's in, I just got caught up so much in how much she looks like. Um, what's her name? Yeah. That's I, keep forget, I keep forgetting her name. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Mm. Right. Okay. I literally just was struck by both like she's I think she's a spitting image of her mm. but this um, this bit here where they're having their expedition done whilst they're, they're just fucked basically mm. and he, they're talking over their stuff about getting married it's <laughs> like, just it's this horrible thing about 70s filmmaking where it's just unpleasant to watch yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean there's that kind of everyone's covered in a sort of thin film of Grease. Grease. Yeah. 70s Grease. Well, probably yeah. something just exploded. We just didn't yeah. we were there yeah. to oh, see it. Yeah, I think something did explode <laughs> about a few minutes before this thing started. Yeah. <laughs> um, meanwhile, the first of many scenes of John Houston on a roof occurs. John Houston seems to be building some sort of art installation on a roof yeah. for mm-hmm. most of the film. This is the first sequence of this that we see, which is a lot of guys... Uh, with bold heads carrying what look like air conditioning units, mm. but might be lights or something, uh, whilst funky music plays over the top. Yeah. So this is scene one of that. We're just going to cut to it, and then we'll cut away. He's building a disco dance. And then he's building. That's what it turns out that he's doing. He's yeah. building yeah. disco dance floor for reasons. <laughs> but, but this is the first occasion of that happening. Um, then we we catch it with Lance again, Raymond. And he is going to visit um, Mel Farrar, who is um, a doctor, uh, Dr. Lewis, I think his name is, or something like that. He's also the head of a cabal of devil worshippers, or Satan worshippers, or Satine worshippers. See what the film's doing there. Uh, they're a bunch of oldies. They need Lance to marry Barbara so they can have another child, a male child, who will be more powerful than... Katie, and I think the plan is then that that male child will mate with Katie and produce like the rebirth of Satine or Satan or the Antichrist or whatever. That's right. Of, that's the plan, and they're not happy because uh, he's not doing a great job of convincing her to marry him and have another baby. So he gets a ticket off. It's like sort yeah. it, sort it out, or we'll have to step in and go to plan B. Yeah. Yeah? And they're, and they're like a bunch of old guys sat around a table, you know, in some grand Hall. fucking palace yeah. of evil. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere. Where they make plans with well, the Illuminati. Well, yeah, like an Illuminati yeah. style. Rosicrucians. They're all in their business suits. They're, yeah. They're not in their lizard form. Yeah. You've got it. Yeah. <laughs> David Icke's there. He's yeah. watching. You've yeah. got it. You've got the vibe. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> 
And the next scene that happens is one of my favourite scenes in the film. It's where Katie's having a creepy party. Um, Katie owns a pet hawk, by the way. This is the first time we meet the pet hawk. Not a, oh, not a Rottweiler. No. No. <laughs> no. Well, you know what? I get, I get, some people do keep, I think, dangerous breeds of dogs around children. I don't approve right, of it. Right, sure. But, but people do do that. Yeah. Birds of prey? Mm. Don't think I've ever seen that. Pythons? Mm. <laughs> a random baby. <laughs> don't think I've ever seen that. Anyway, uh, Katie's, having a, Katie's just turning eight. Yeah, as we've as we've been told by the movie. Thank you, movie. So this bit makes sense at least. This has been foreshadowed sure. earlier in the film. Um, she's having a pie with all her friends. She's opening up all her presents. She gets a present from Auntie Susan. John Houston's lurking around the background, but but no one notices. No one seems to notice that he's not. Yeah. he shouldn't be there, or he's not part of the pie. Mm. And nobody then recognizes him again when he turns up. Another points later, like like he pretends to be the babysitter, but no one says, "Hang on, you want you the creepy guy at my kid's party?" Anyway, to ignore that, um, she gets a present from Auntie Susan. She opens the present up. She runs first of all. She runs away from everybody. Yeah. So she can almost open the present secretly. Uh, yeah. In the present is a gun. Right. She takes the gun out. She swings it round and points it at everybody in the party. Yeah. Yeah. And some people kind of semi react to it, like, "Oh, hey, he's got a gun." <laughs> then she runs forward to show her mum the gun yeah. right she throws it on the table in front of her yeah. yeah and then it goes off and shoots her mum in the back yeah and then there's a brilliant bit where her mum turns around with a look on her face like who just shot me <laughs> and Katie just shakes her head like uh-huh. I didn't do it uh-huh. <laughs> like, like, like I don't know so what was the present supposed to be? Well, we find out later mm. that the present was supposed to be a mechanical bird, but right. we don't know that yet. Right. We don't know that yet. Okay. So, no, I thought it was not a bit earlier yeah. in the film where they just buy it. Oh, do we? Yeah, they absolutely do. Yeah. The aunt is with the mum. Yeah. They're walking around. And they buy a bird. Oh, she'll, she'll love that. And then yeah. Scott goes, oh, will she? Right. Yeah. yeah, will she? Oh, you might be right. Yeah. Yeah, you might be. I might have forgotten that. Yeah, bit. but when she opens the present, it's not a mechanical bird. It's a mechanical gun. Maybe it was a transformer. Yeah, maybe. Bird yeah. to a gun. It was Starscream or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Was that one? That was yeah. one, wasn't it? Was Starscream. that bird to gun? Yeah, yeah. Starscream was right. yeah. bird to gun. Yeah, it's like that. I've written, race to the hospital. Mel Farrar looks on, concerned. Katie still has a hawk for a pet. <laughs> Seems unconcerned that Mummy's in hospital. So this is an odd sequence. This yeah. is where everybody, where uh, they're trying to save the life of Barbara in the hospital, and actually Mel Farrar, who appears to be a surgeon, is also the leader of the cabal. Yeah, right. Um, Lance Henriksen's freaked out. Everyone's at the hospital freaked out, except Katie. Yeah. She's doing gymnastics. Well, I'm thinking at this point, never mind the god devil thing, John Houston. Franco Nero, what I really need is Super Nanny. Let's call her in and everything's going to be sorted in half an hour. Well, it will be. They'll be fine. Because that's what they're going to do in about half an hour. (laughs) Um, Katie has the world's longest gymnastics lesson. This is another instance of this cross-cutting that just doesn't seem to work, like John Houston taking 30 minutes to come down some stairs. Because here, Katie is at a gymnastics lesson whilst Barbara has the operation, is saved... We discover that she can't walk. She wakes up after the operation. She she's using pulleys to sit up in bed and eat, mm. you know. And then she's managing, and then she's 
getting into a wheelchair. So all this happens seemingly while Katie's at the same gymnastics lesson. Because we go back and forth between all those things happening and Katie doing... I don't know what the crossbars or something. Well, yeah, yeah it's, it's Katie's rocky montage. Where she's just getting tra- she's getting fitter. She's training. <laughs> she's training all the while. Her mum's getting her recovering while her mum's recovering. Yeah. Some teacher comes up to her and say um, and says uh, how what a good gymnast she is. So I mean, it's been a benefit to yeah. her. She's yeah. gotten better. That's nice. Yeah. Um, also, also, she comes home from a gymnastics lesson. And they feared a stairmaster in the house. Yeah. <laughs> they even had time to do that. Yeah, yeah it's all, all it's all spin fast training. All this. Yeah. Not only have they have they discovered that she's not going to die, but she's going to be paralysed. They've actually kitted the house out to deal with somebody with paralysis. All while Katie's been at the world's longest gymnastics lesson. And does that also not look like the world's least safe stairlift? No, it's got no, no rails on it. Right? The no, the stairs. No, no rails on the stairs. It's just a set of stairs. So many staircases. No, no banister. Nothing. Yeah, no just, thought you fall for, off it, you're done. No thought for health or safety. And that stairlift bit that the wheelchair goes on, it's just open. You can easily trundle off that. To me, it feels like a stairlift from a James Bond movie yeah. of this era. Yeah. Scaramanga's chairlift. <laughs> it's like Scaramanga. Yeah. If Scaramanga had a chairlift, that's yeah. what it would look like. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. Um, uh, next, so the next um, jobbing uh, American actor that used to be somebody we're introduced to is Glenn Ford. Right. Oh, yeah. God, Glenn Ford. Now, I've got no idea what he died of, but it wasn't cancer of the face, was it, by any chance? Because <laughs> what is going on with his lip? <laughs> I, I literally, at that point, for me, the film stopped and I was just looking at his lip. Every time he was on the screen, I could not take my eyes off of it. That fucking carbuncle, whatever it was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's well, make up. Well, got makeup over it. Yeah, oh God. Now it probably it just makes then, it worse. Yeah, but back then with the shitty projections and cinemas, you probably couldn't see yeah, it that yeah, well. Yeah. But nowadays with HD. Yeah. You can see every every bump and wrinkle on that on that school tour. So, um, Glenn Ford's detective is investigating the shooting because, uh, although everyone's saying it was an accident, he's like not buying it. Like, where did the gun come from? That's yeah. the big mystery. Is yeah, it still is to me now. Yeah. Why did where, someone where give her a gun from? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, the film's not going to resolve it. So, <laughs> but the detective does want to know where the gun came from and what happened to the present that was actually purchased and wrapped up, which was this mechanical bird. So, what's going on? So, he's a bit, he's a bit suspicious, and he's been questioning some people who are at the party. Uh, and then the next new character to get introduced is Shelley Winters, who is the new housekeeper. Um, and uh, she's been sent by the agency, who seem to supply, you know, everybody to this house, um, uh, because they're later going to supply the babysitter. Uh, but they also supplied the housekeeper. Everybody they supply seems to come from John Houston's team of yeah. um, bold-headed um, anti-antichrists. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, she's good at predicting star signs as people say them to her. <laughs> so she says to Barbara, what star sign are you? Let me guess. And she says, I'm a Leo. I bet you're a Leo. <laughs> I'm a Leo too. But she doesn't like Sagittarius's. Mm. And Katie's one of those. Yeah. So they're off to a rocky start already. Oh, That's yeah, you're one of, one of those Sagittarius people, aren't you? No, it's what Sagittarius oh. and oh, they're the spawn of Satan. <laughs> yeah. 
So we've already got an inkling. <laughs> so again, the film signposts all this shit so early, doesn't it? Because they could have spent some time, we could have spent some time wondering if Shelley Winters was a goodie or a baddie. But actually, the minute she gets in a house, she's up in the grill of... Yeah, so you know she's a goodie. So we know she's a goodie and she's on John Houston's side, which, which of course she is. Um, John Houston, then we cut to John Houston's on the roof again. And we just have another little scene of, I don't know what they're doing, they're putting solar panels up or they're continuing to build their art installation. Um, then uh, Glenn Ford is following Katie to school because that's the, that's the right time to question eight-year-olds yeah. is without their parents as they get off the school bus. Yeah. That's I, a good time to tackle them. Not at all creepy. Yeah, that's not creepy. No. And, and that's perfectly within police procedural procedures. Um, is the mum back from hospital, by the way? Yes. The mum comes back from hospital as Katie comes back from her gymnastics right, lesson. Because yeah. that's it. They bump into each other. They, they, they bump into each other. She meets her mum when she gets home. I just wanted to touch on this for a moment. Because I noticed that they hug and smile and embrace. Like, oh. Oh, yeah. Wait you a minute. Sh- you shot you me. Sh- you did yeah. shoot me. Yeah, they, I, mean, I said to oh, Scott, I know she's your Welcome daughter. back, mommy. Who, and who hasn't been to see her like once in the hospital as well. By yeah. She's been busy with the gymnastics. Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty full on, hasn't it? But yeah. there was no sign of resentment for the fact that her daughter shot her. Or any kind of, I don't know. Just didn't feel right. I don't think she shows much in the way of emotion. I think she's like, it's almost like she's on oxycodone or something because she just seems quite jolly all the way through the film. You know, irrespective of these terrible things that are happening all the way through the film. It isn't really until like the very end that she starts. In fact, right before, uh, basically her last scene in the film, she starts panicking about shit. Mm -hmm. You know, as her daughter is pushing her into a glass fish tank and killing her. Yeah. <laughs> it's the point at which she starts to worry, maybe things have gone a little out of control. <laughs> That's kind of the penny drop moment for her. Is she's a little bit too late. She's a tad. Um, there's, a, there's a lovely scene now, I think it's brilliant, uh, where Glenn Ford tries to question Katie and she's just a potty-mouthed bitch, exorcist style. She says, you know, she says, uh, can I ask you some questions, uh, Katie? And Katie says, you're a child molester. Fuck you, you child molester. Incidentally, we should probably talk about Katie's southern drawl. I'm not sure where it comes from. Yeah. But she's got a strange southern yeah. accent. Why are you all yeah. picking on me? Why are you all yeah. picking, even though her mum doesn't, yeah. neither does her dad when we meet her dad later on. But, um, but she says she's really uh, quite foul to Glenn Ford saying, uh, calling him a child molester, I'm smarter than you, I'm smarter than all of you. And then uh, when he asks her about the gun and what happened, he, she, she says you're going to tell him. Uh, where, where have you hidden a bird or something, or where have you hidden a gun or something? And she brings him in close and she says, right up your ass. <laughs> she runs up. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so where did the gun come from? We don't know. The film doesn't explain. Because I, um, I sort of got the impression of some supernatural thing where the gun had been changed, the president had been changed into a gun. No, no, because so who did finds, that? Because he's going to fuck. Because he happens now, actually. Yeah. So um, I'm not concerned where the gun actually is now. Because is it actually up his ass? Does it, is there a scene exactly. that we miss where later when he goes for a shit and a gun drops out and shoots someone else? Did they also suggest that the gun went missing as well after the? Excellent. Yeah. Is it? Is that? Is that yeah, because yeah, he says, "Where is the gun?" Yeah, they haven't got the gun. Where, where have you so, hidden the gun? So where did what? What exactly? I want to know if it's actually in his colon. It might be. Oh man. 
<laughs> and, then a, and then he rings his, he, um, Glenn Ford rings his partner and he says, that kid doesn't seem shook up at all and that bugs me, man. When what he should be saying is, I think I just met the devil yeah. and I think she's probably behind the shooting that she did. And I think she may have shoved the gun at my house for that reason. I'd be more honest, I'd be more worried about that at this point. Where is the gun? Is it in my house? <laughs> okay. Um, then we get John Houston on a roof, scene three. So this is how really regular, this yeah. is how regular they are, because I've made notes of, and, and they don't serve any purpose, really, for that entire film. No. So massive amount Loads. of running time is spent, John Houston. It's the end the Stargate story. at the end. Opening the Stargate, yeah, yeah, but you only need to establish that in one, one scene. Yeah, they're building do something. You. Do you, or do you need to see interminably? Over and over again for the entire... Uh, with, with, with the same film. footage played again as well. <laughs> so, Glenn Ford goes to the house, and this is where he finds the bird in the plant pot. And he literally goes straight to the plant pot, gets attacked by Katie's hawk, and then finds the bird in the plant pot. Right. Um, and literally, the door is open, he walks in, he goes straight, he doesn't look behind, yeah. you know, he doesn't search through drawers or... You know, it's baffling. It literally is like, we can't be fucked with a plot. Yeah. We, we need to do this scene, let's do it quick, because then we can get to the next exciting scene, which is the set piece, which is where he gets attacked by a hawk in his car, and the hawk pecks his eyeballs. Yeah. Um, and he, I actually got to say, I think this scene is pretty fab, because yeah. there's a bit where a motorcycle hits the car, and the motorcycle, some motorcyclist comes off the top of the motorcycle, hits the windscreen, falls onto the road, nearly gets hit by another car. That stuff's all really exciting. Mm. And then when the car comes off the road and careers down like an embankment, it careers into a kind of wire fence. And, and, as, it, and it, as it turns over and over, it wraps itself in the wire fencing. Mm. So when the car hits the, hits the ground and comes to a standstill, there's wire fence tightly wrapped around it. Mm. So Glenn Ford's character can't, get out as a fire starts and then he blows up in the car. Mm. You know what, I've never seen that before and I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, you sure. know, the car in the fence is really cool and yeah. people are trying to tug the fence away but they can't do it. Um, and, he, and he blows up with the car. Mm. Um, and the stuff where the hawk's pecking at his face yeah. and, you know, it's, a bit, it's all a bit omen. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. omen too again. Uh, but it's, I think it's very well staged. I think the, yeah. the car, you yeah. know, we yeah. in and out of yeah, traffic. Not a bad and, scene. You know, that stuff's all pretty good yeah. I think. Um, anyway, he's done. Although I did say at the time, I think um, if a bird was in a car pecking my eyes out, brakes just yeah, stopped. Yeah, I did think uh, the brakes. The time, well, that's a trope, isn't it? Yeah, he films when they're driving a vehicle instead of oh, I'm the being brakes, attacked. I'm, I'm in traffic, being attacked. Let's put my foot down. That will cure it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going faster. Like, so <laughs> <through> the hedgehog. <laughs> I wind the window down. The air rushing through will knock the bird off my face. <laughs> Um, next up is a fun exchange between Shenmue's <laughs> and Barbara, uh, where, where Barbara says, can I ask you a question? And Shelley Winters says, yeah. Shelley Winters sings Mama's little, little baby, baby, like oh, short rather interminably yeah. agreed. So can I ask you a question? What do you think of, uh, Katie? And Shelley Winters says, do you want me to tell you the truth? And Barbara says, yeah, of course. Uh, I think she's evil. Um, and the mum says, no, no, she's not. 
<laughs> well, why'd you ask? Well, you, must, I mean, you must have an inkling. But, 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 but only in the film, the mum says she's worried about her own daughter. Yeah. So, so she's confessed that she's got reservations about... The fact kids. that she's got a devil for yeah. a daughter. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, but, then, then, and, yeah, but when, when the housekeeper says the same thing, she's like, no, there's nothing wrong with it. Really? Yeah. What? Defensive mum or what? Uh, brilliant scene next. It's the ice skating scene. So, uh, Katie goes to the mall. Um, is that what it is? Because to me it looked like a bunch of skyscrapers with a canopy built. I think it's them. a mall because a mum wheelchairs into a shop. Yeah. And Katie keeps going with her ice skates on. Sure. So I assumed it was like an ice skating rink in a mall. But obviously, yeah, you're right. When, when we see the actual ice skating rink, there's like tower blocks above it. Which means John Houston can look down at her from like a dizzying Eiffel Tower yeah. sort of height. It's a weird building. Weird. And then he comes down these interminably long stairs. No, there's no escalator there. They're just interminably long stairs. Um, so they can cross cut between the ice skating shizzle and John Houston. Can we, like, it's like, it's almost, the thing is though, it's almost as if he's, like, can he stop it? Can he save these kids? Yeah. And actually all that happens is, like, she kills a couple of them or whatever, uh, and then he gets to the bottom of the stairs and looks at her. And then it freeze frames with her in midair. I mean, basically what happens is she goes ice skating and she chases a couple of guys around like she's Marty McFly, and they get um, irate with her, and then they start chasing her around the room. Yeah, and she kills and them. She's, she is... Um, you know, skating circles around her and causing them all to fall over and stuff, uh, you know, in a kind of, like in a Back to the Future kind of yeah. way. And then suddenly she grabs all the two of them by the arms. Then they speed the film up and she goes round and round and round and pirouettes on the spot with these two guys going round and round and round and round. And then she lets go of them and they career off across the ice skating rink in two different directions, hit the wall and then go over the wall uh, and then smash through... Uh, storefront windows, yeah, you know, with uh, with uh, people running and glass and death everywhere. Yeah. So effectively, but what happens then is John Houston comes down the stairs and sees her, and then the then the film goes to like a freeze frame of her pirouetting, and then there's no aftermath. No, I mean she's literally in front of hundreds of witnesses, mm. fucked all these guys up, and then and she instigated it, yeah. and then. Killed two of them, or at least very badly injured two of them. Yeah, and, and she just, I don't know, leaves. And then <laughs> leaves, yeah, presumably, because next it's the evening and and the the, the Lance and uh, Barbara are going out, and yeah. Katie's got a babysitter. So there's literally no aftermath to that weird ice skating scene at all. Again, like the film just can't be bothered. Yeah, he wants to do this cool scene, <clears throat> but not do with- where she literally it looks like she kills them. You know, fucks them up pretty yeah. bad. Um, weird. Fun scene. I sure, it. I mean, yeah. I enjoyed it. It was fun <laughs> to watch. It was a bit balmy, like most <laughs> of this film. Um, right. the, the setting was balmy and the stuff. Was, like, I thought, like I thought John Houston was go, coming down the stairs. He was like, can he get there in time to help these kids? Is he going to use his magic card? Is he going to use ma- Yeah, what's he mm. going to do? Is he going to stop her? No. None of that's mm. going to happen. What's he doing? He just sort of wanders around and looks at stuff. He does know? wander around looking at stuff. He's like an old elderly window shopper. <laughs> so um, what's he doing? <laughs> so um, he turns up as the babysitter. Jer- Jertsy the babysitter. Yeah. Um, and even Lance says, 
You know, you're a little bit old for. He says, "Are you a bit old?" Um, to his back to him, yeah. And then he says later on to Barbara, uh, "Sure, he's, you worried he's a child? I'm a bit worried he's a child molester." <laughs> and she says, "Well, I'm sure the babysitting service screen for child molesters." Yeah, it's what is this the same? A bit blase. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, well, fine. Maybe the babysitting service is a front for child molesters. Could be. You would think so, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah. Spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. I'm not. I'm not saying I am one, but if I was, maybe I'd set up a babysitting service. <laughs> so, John Houston and Katie are playing uh, pong together. Yeah. Do you remember pong? Yeah, no, but they're not. Though, but, are they? I don't know what the hell that game is. It's sort of pong later, but part of it, yeah, it's just one half of the screen, and it's just I don't understand the rules of that game. No, one minute it is like just a dot flying around on its own with no paddles. Yeah, and, and the next yeah. minute there are paddles and there's a scoreboard. And yeah, then it and, and I'm like, I'm and also right. it's the size of a wall. So is it being projected? It's a projector. It's yeah. sitting between the projector, which has got this giant red, green, and blue bulb. Yeah, did you not notice that? No, it was half the fucking screen has gone. I don't know. You didn't notice. I was still when they're talking next to each other. I was. It's and fucking... it's in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah totally. I was really worrying about Glenn Ford's lip. Most yeah, he's dead. He's gone. He's yeah, gone. No, I'm still that worried is, about that it. That corpse already burn up with his yeah. whole face. I'm just that, worried. That plot is over. Yeah, I'm worried though. It's on my mind. What are you worried? He's dead. He's long dead <laughs> now, mate. I won't worry about it. Um, this is an odd scene because um, no, that's too unusual. Yeah, <laughs> a bit unusual. Um, is it a long and incomprehensible scene? No. No. <laughs> usually, when they think, say, "I know you're God and I know you're the devil," but the, they don't is, say it. But they, but they actually kind of do, which is the odd thing. Yeah. Because usually you have a scene where they, you know, maybe size each other up a bit, yeah. or kind of get get the sense of that they're each other's nemesis, if you like. But he basically says. You know, you are the devil, and I'm here to take you away. Yeah, and I'm a ghostbuster. I'm a yeah. ghostbuster. And I'm gonna take you away when the time comes. Yeah, and it, they're all quite. It's quite chilled. Just considering how unchilled Katie was with the cop. Yeah, she seems quite chilled with this actual bad guy. You know, to her. Yeah, because the cop wasn't really very far along in that investigation. I mean, no. she wasn't in imminent trouble, was she? No. But but here's a guy who's turned up to say, "I'm taking you away because." I've got to deal with the fact that you're evil incarnate. And she's just like, another round? Another round of Pong? <laughs> yeah, but he's, this one's going to take earth. you away when the time is right. What's wrong with the time now? Just he's still away. building he's up. still about 30 minutes of the film. Left. Yeah. He's still setting up his disco, disco, disco floor Stargate thing. thing. Yeah. So, we have got it sorted out yet. I tried disco once earlier floor. and it didn't work. No. So I've got to try again later. Is that right? I think he's sort of out, wouldn't you? There's a bit where he tries to open his Stargate and it doesn't work. Yes. Oh, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Yeah, there's a yeah, bit. There's there's a bit. There's it shows some footage where he's, oh, right. he's, he's green yeah. screened in front of the stars. And flings his arms out and the camera zooms out right. back and in. And all the planets yeah. are aligning and there's things floating around. Yeah. yeah. And then he throws his arms up in the air and the camera sort of crash zooms on him. Mm. And yeah. then later on we'll see that exact same footage again. Yeah. A couple of times it's the camera zooms in, zooms out. Looks at him looking up bit. and down, yeah, up yeah, and down, yeah. the stars, yeah. the floor, yeah. the disco's wow. balls up turning. Yeah, why, why not? Um. Meanwhile, while that's going on, at stately Wayne Manor, at stately dinner party, Lance announces to everyone that he's marrying Babs. Yeah, Babs is put out by this. 
Because she wasn't involved. Because she wasn't involved. Um, and she, and, late, and so he goes, what's the matter? You've got to marry me, haven't you? And she said, don't worry, Mary, I want my freedom. And he's like, what, your wheelchair freedom? Yeah, kind you're, of not almost, free, like, you're not your free eye. You're not free eye, because you're in a wheelchair now, so it's me or, it's me or what? Rolling around on your own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're in a wheelchair. You need a person, don't you? You need you a person now. You've got yeah. no choice now. It's yeah. me. Yeah, where are you going to... What, you think... You think stair lifts are free? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Do you think you can find someone who doesn't own a basketball team who can afford a yeah. mm-hmm. stair lift? Do you I think, think yeah. so? Do you think every library is going to be handicapped accessible? <laughs> yeah. Do you think every shop's going to be like a ramp at the front? Which Come just on, wake up. Just the sort of scene you expect to see in an Italian 70s film yeah. that you just wouldn't be, ever be able to get away with these no. days because it's no. just 100% bang out of order. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what it says. No one's going to love a cripple. That's what he says. Yeah. <laughs> she says, I want my freedom. He's like, what, your wheelchair freedom? <laughs> Shocking. Oh, yeah. Little miss legs don't work. <laughs> <laughs> um... I tell you, I'll give you your freedom when you can do a hundred meters in less than thirty minutes. <laughs> but it's um, but it's all right. She doesn't want to marry uh, Raymond, but it's all right because Katie's on her side, isn't she? Right? <laughs> she sort of yeah. Katie comes in and says, "You're selfish, mummy. You've got to marry Raymond. Yeah. You a bitch, mummy. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I wish I'd shot you again. Um." <laughs> I want you, and this is what she says, because she's really clued in on the plot, is Katie. She says, I want uh, you to marry, to make love to Raymond so I can have a baby brother. That's what she says to her mum. <laughs> Freaky, deaky. It's almost like she's like, like evil or something. Mm. Um, but uh, she don't want to know about it, Barbara. So uh, it's time for scene two with, like, the cabal. They basically sack um, Lance and go to plan B. And plan B involves um, Barbara's car breaking down um, and them driving up behind her in a big truck that looks like a UFO with loads of crazy lights. And then... um, And then... Don't they back up the truck and then come around the side of the car like is she asleep or something I can't remember because they carry her into the truck and I can't remember her um, struggling or anything uh, but they carry, they bring her into the truck and then um, uh, Mel Farage there and they what do you mean how did, she fall, how did she get knocked out yeah I don't know I can't remember hyperglycemia but yeah. anyway Anyway, Ford, sheer boredom. But they carry him into the truck and they presumably artificially inseminate yeah. him. Because and I mean, this is the close encounters truck as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like very, the truck is like, a, yeah, it's, it's, very, all light, it's got lights where trucks don't have lights, lights so yeah. it can look very close encounters. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the, clo- yeah, absolutely, this is the close encounters rip-off yeah. bit. And again, Katie's like rolling around in a wheelchair, laughing at everything, and hanging out with Mel Farrar. Like, and it's like she knows. There's never any scenes in the film where anyone tells Katie who the goodies are and the baddies are. For her, she just seems to know. Yeah. 
that Mel Ferrar is the head of the cabal who are trying to bring about the birth of a half brother, mm. and John Huston leads the you know the goodies who are trying to stop her. She she seems really clued up on all of that, doesn't mm. she? All mm. the time. Yeah. I think it's really odd, like because that doesn't really happen in. Does that happen in The Omen? Does it happen in... I I, I don't think he comes to realisation himself. I think in that, Lance Henriksen tells him, doesn't he? Basically tells him that he's the Antichrist. Yeah. No one actually says it to him. And and he actually rebels against it, doesn't he, in The Omen? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's kind of like, she just seems to kind of just know everything. Mm. Um, And he's okay with it. So the (laughs) next bit that happens is um, so so John Houston turns up at Barbara's house and basically tells her everything's going on but then suddenly vanishes so we're not sure if it's like a dream or what it is Um, and Shelley Winters is looking from the balcony while singing her shortening bread and Barbara starts whizzing around the house on, I thought she was whizzing at super speed, and then I realised I was actually watching the film at 1.5 speed yeah. at that point, and she was actually whizzing around at fairly normal speed. I should tell you about this film last night. I watched it last night. I mean, I watched it a while back, but I watched it again for the podcast last night. And I fell asleep 20 minutes in, oh, okay. at about 11 o'clock. <laughs> and then I woke up on the sofa at 4 o'clock this morning and went, fuck the ding dong. <laughs> I've not watched The Visitor. I need to talk about it today yeah so i watched the visitor right. so, I, so i've been up since the 4 a.m because i had yeah. to watch the visitor uh, so i watched the visitor at four it finished at about half five i watched the bonuses on the visitor until <laughs> about six o'clock or you could have gone to bed then i went to bed <laughs> right and then my daughter woke up so brilliant then i just sat up sat in bed with her watching fucking nickelodeon shows <laughs> so yeah that's yeah this is all fresh in my mind because i literally finished it a few hours ago yeah, it should already be um, quite fresh in your head so she wheelchairs herself right out of the room yeah. and then she goes to visit her ex-husband who is Dr Max who is played by Sam Peckinpah yeah. uh, because Dr Max is a doctor and she so she knows that she's pregnant even though I mean, she's not had that checked or anything she just seems to know well she got told by God by John Houston in that scene yeah. when he comes and tells her yeah. yeah so but he's like a vision because he just disappears uh, and he's not God he's the babysitter so a vision of the babysitter tells her she's pregnant <laughs> and she goes straight to her ex-husband Dr. Max to get it aborted yeah. that's yeah. basically what happens right is he a pregnantologist or what is he is that a th- word I think no. so Pregnantologist. No, I'm pretty sure that's a. I don't know. I'm not sure. No, I don't I'm think sure so. That's that's might thing. be. No, I'm sure. But it does sound like a Scottish word. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Max, pregnantologist. I'm sure I've seen that. Proctologist. No, pregnantologist. I know what a proctologist. But she basically tells Doctor Max he tries to fish guns out of people's asses. Right. <laughs> she tells Doctor Max that evil people are staring at her. Yeah. Doing things to her, and she's pregnant, and she wants an abortion. And, and, you know, it kind of says okay. Yeah, but, but, he does work, but why not, wouldn't he? Because he works in a grimy, understaffed hospital. Uh, yeah, but you think he also <laughs> want to know what's, the, what's up with the mental state of his ex. Sure. Um, yeah. And he also says something like, they wouldn't let me come and see you at, after operation. Which just also seems... I think it's a bit odd that he's completely out of the picture 
until this point in the film where she needs his help. And then he disappears mm-hmm. again. And then he disappears again, and it almost would have made more sense if he had been around a bit. Like, if we'd, if we'd established who he was and his past relationship with her, then the, this point where she now goes to him for help might have made a little bit more sense. But the film isn't really interested in making sense, is it? Uh, now, while, um, while this is going on, uh, Katie tells Shelley Winters that... Um, she, says, uh, she calls her mum a whipping, like her whipping boy. And Shelley Winters slaps her, yeah? And just out of interest in the bonus features, yeah. that was a proper couple of slaps. Yeah. That was that were no act yeah. those those were no yeah. acting slaps. They were proper slaps upside the head. And if you watch the scene, that, that eight year old girl actress is getting slapped <laughs> upside the fucking head. Brilliant. So nice one, Winters. <laughs> yeah. 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 Child abuse you. She said, didn't she, at some point, um, I love slapping cheered kids or something? Yeah. Did she she went to a yeah, no, in the special features. Or in the yeah, no, in the special features, Shelley Winters said something about I love, I love getting the slap kids or something. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So this is odd because what? All happens, of a sudden, you're really not that bothered about her dying in the Poseidon adventure. <laughs> yeah, all, of sudden, all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, good. Um, <laughs> this is um, this is a bit of a weird bit for me because the film's really? made a lot of sense up till now. <laughs> um, but what happens while the mum's getting the abortion is Kay, for some, for reasons, yeah. goes to an abandoned, like, building, which turns out to be the building that John Houston's been putting his art installation yeah. on the roof of. And then there's a really bizarre kind of cat and mouse uh, chase scene with, uh, with, with Katie and... Um, Jertsey, uh, John Hewson's character, where um, they're kind of running in it like Scooby Doo style. They're running in and out of a few doors and rooms. Yeah. Right. Then John Houston leaves the building and goes for a walk. She follows him from the rooftop like yeah. she's Spider Man. And he keeps glancing up at her like he knows she's up there, like she. Like, he's deliberately leading her along or something. I don't know, anyway. He goes into a hot dog stand. This bit I loved. And he just stands there while the hot dog man looks at him like, we what do- are you doing in the kitchen area yeah. of my yeah. hot dog stand? Do it behind the counter. And he just looks at him like, and looks at the roof as if to say, that's why up there. That's look, why. Look, I, look there. I've been followed. He's, he says it all with his eyes. And then all with dog, his eyes. And the hot dog guy is supposed to go, oh, okay. Okay. And then, okay, because the like, hot dog guy gets killed now. <laughs> and then this is, this is the bit. Yeah. So, using her omen powers, Katie unscrews all the screws on a on like a fire escape with a wrench. There you can case. see a wrench. Well, yeah. then you do actually see a wrench in one of the shots. Yeah, which is straight up hilarious. Yeah. Isn't it? it's not like the screw is unscrewing itself. Yeah, you actually see somebody with a wrench <laughs> unscrewing the screw. Well, that's a mental. That's a mental projection. Really. The movie. That's just wrong. Movie. <laughs> that's not what you do. Anyway, the whole fire escape falls and crushes the hot dog stand. Oh no! The God's hot, dead with the hot dog guy in it. Yeah, I John love that character. No, no, he's not. Oh, he's, no. not. he's hiding behind the hot dog stand. And then the music kicks in again. Then he goes into a strip club. Sure, why not? She follows him into the strip club. Turns out wow. the strip club is like a hall of mirrors. And then, <laughs> oh, and then, yeah. and then we get into a whole 
weird kind of James Bond, Jack Bruce Palance. Lee. <laughs> Jack Palance from Tango and Cash yeah. style. Bruce Lee. House of Mirrors, that sort of thing. Yeah, like the bit at Conan the Destroyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> what else has mirrors in it? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh man. Barbara goes home, shows the abortion. Yeah. And when she walks through the door, she's attacked. No, she doesn't straight. walk through the door. What does she do? <laughs> she walks through, through the door. <laughs> it's trundles. She, yeah. she trundles through the door and she gets attacked by Katie's pet hawk. Why not? Yeah. So the hawk is pecking her in the face. So she wheels into a room and she slams the door. And now the hawk is like trying to press down on the doorknob to open the door. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly the doorknob gets pressed down. Oh, and the no. Door opens. No, that opened doors. But Girl. no, it's Shelley Winters and oh. she's killed the hawk. And she, she was the hawk. Oh. <laughs> I've been sent to protect you. This whole time. You haven't done a very fucking good job at well, yet. She she continues to not do a good job because mm. what happens now is Katie grabs the wheelchair from in the room, she's in the room, and wheels them into a giant freestanding. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Shelley Winters doesn't seem to be. One doesn't seem to do anything, but also doesn't seem to be there anymore. No, <laughs> yeah. no it's completely yeah. different. Yeah, because like, Shelley Winters says, I promise you ne- no harm will come to you, and then immediately is thrown through an aquarium. Yeah. <laughs> immediately, <laughs> so. some harm comes to yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. Um, in another, I think, frankly hilarious scene, I mean, it's just a so funny scene. Shelley Winters, great at slapping kids, not so good at keeping promises. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, is there a scene where Katie's been put in, like, the nut house or something, and she's been monitored by loads of doctors, and there's a this, weird scene... This whole bit feels like they're not just trying to wrap up now. Yeah. Mm. There's, a, there's a weird scene where... Um, a mum's looking through a one-way mirror and doctors are saying they're running all sorts of tests on her. Um, John Houston's art installation on the roof is opening up some gateway. Is yeah. there to somewhere or other? That's happening. Stargate, yeah. So we're reaching, the, we're reaching the end game now. Thank God. Katie's gone into monster mode. So for some reason, Katie and Barbara go back to the house and Katie goes full-on monster mode and starts dragging her mum no, Barbara goes home and she's supposed to be on her own. Katie's supposed to be at the hospital. Right. And then she sees Katie's back of her head while she's playing Pong. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and, she and she's like, what are you around. doing here? And then she turns around and she's it's got like, like a Rice Krispies like face. Crispy face, isn't yeah. she? Mm-hmm. And she attacks her mum and drags her up and down some stairs. Then then Lance turns up and he like grab, grabs like a garrote wire. Garrotes her neck. And then they turn the stair lift on to push her down the stairs while he's still holding the garrote to strangle her, to kill her, right? Um, but what's the plan there, then? So she dies, then what? That's it. Then they get her pregnant. <laughs> I'm like, I don't get it. I Doesn't get make it. Any sense. No, I think Lance Henderson's had enough. I think he's he? had enough, and his plans have failed, yeah. and uh, so he cabal first of all like... failed to impregnate her himself, yeah. then the cabal have done it. Um, oh, the cabal are all dead. There's a scene where you just sit... There's, they've got, like... Um, like a butler, haven't they? Who gets drinks for them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he and he then was that what that was? Yeah. And then yeah. he comes to get him some drinks, and then they're all dead. Yeah. Like they've all had their eyes pecked out. So and he's not fussed at all. Just, no. Yeah. But, oh, I thought you were going to say, well, what, how did they die? They've been pecked to death. For what? Well, I'll tell you. Well, because it turns out that John Houston can control birds as well, because 
like a big tornado thing attacks the house. And then loads oh, of birds yeah. come flying in. One of the birds cuts the garrot in half, yeah. saving Barbara. And then Katie gets attacked by birds. And some of them are, like, real. Some of them are, like, plastic and just flying around the head on a wire. Yeah. One of them is clearly like a rotating metal bird. Yeah. And that, and that then attacks Lance Henriksen and, and pierces his neck with its metal beak. And mm. it's like a metal... I don't know what it like a weird metal statue of a bird that's flying. Mm. No, I, I swear this makes no, no effing sense at all. <laughs> and there's one hilarious bit in it though where where Kate is is like waving her hands around at these imaginary some imaginary and some real birds. And and some of them do look like they're real birds. Um but one of them is clearly just going round the head on a wire. Like really yeah. it just looks looks like Appalling. Looks, <laughs> looks like they've made a bird out of brown packing tape and um, bubble wrap. They've taken a paper aeroplane covered in feathers. And um, uh, so anyway, that kind of pretty much wraps it yeah. up. Because what happens now is, so the court, the the cabal have been killed. Yeah. Uh, the rotating metal bird thing has killed Lance. Right. Katie is on the floor covered in birds. birds. John Houston turns up and says, right, I'm taking her now. And Shelley Winter says, I've been working for you the whole time. Well, like we didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And then, this is brilliant, because this is the end of the film and almost the best bit in the film. Because we're now back with Franco Nero as Jesus with all the bald kids. Um, and he brings, so it's, he brings Katie in yeah. yeah, yeah. So that stuff on the roof seems to have had no relevance to the end of the film at all. That's Unless, because we see some animated birds or something. Maybe he summons the bird storm or something with the... The, the planets are mine. Then the Stargate opens, which I assume takes them back to planet God. Yeah. But and when, he, and when, but when she turns... So do they, does he take Katie through that? Because I don't yeah. think that happening at all. I just don't think we see it. Mm. Right. So that's... Okay, so that's what we assume. Because anyway, he turns up with Katie, and she's now bald. Yeah. And John Houston says, we've killed her evil parts. By shaving her hair off. Because that's apparently yeah. where they live, in yeah. their hair. Yeah, like Samson. Because <laughs> all the way through the film, they've been making loads of hair references, haven't they? No. No. <laughs> Not at all. Not no. at all. Don't make any sense. And he says, we don't kill children, do we? We just take away their evil parts. We don't kill children. With mm. a haircut. Yeah. Maybe if we'd just done that at the fucking start... We don't, we don't kill children. Well, do they not? No. We don't kill children. We just exercise the evil and then send the good bit to heaven, which sort of means they're dead. Doesn't it? No, but in this heaven's a planet. It's not an yeah. afterlife. Um, it's a, so at the know. end of the film... On, not, so convinced. Is, not convinced. Not <laughs> convinced. Is Jesus on another planet with God? Yeah, he's on planet God with God. And they've and taken the her yeah. to planet bold kids. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens at the end of the film. Yeah. They've basically made God. Stage in Rome. No. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was really in real life. In real life. Yeah, in real life. Actually, John, go to. They don't actually do that sort of shit for yeah. real. Like, no one's ever really gone to the moon. That was just Apollo thirteen. So <laughs> they, did, they, did, they didn't film that part of the planet. Is that what you're suggesting? Mm-hmm. No, Apollo thirteen. They didn't land on the moon. No, this film no, is flat out bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the. That's right. That's it. Yeah. Just done, aren't we? Ba da 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 da
bam, yeah, and um, didn't mean anything. No. But was it fun? I kind of had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, well, you had to giggle. It was I a fun watching it, but as soon as I was finished, I think a lot of it fell out of my head. Yeah. I did think, it? Yeah. Tumbled out of your brain pan, did it? And yeah. again, I think it's probably another one of those films where, yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it with someone. I don't know if I would have done so much yeah. watching it myself. I watched it on my own, and I still had a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, well, so a lot, a lot of these things were up to there's me. There's a lot of funny, funny moments, because even the the bits that are meant to be quite arty and cool, uh, many of them are not. Uh, yeah. So there's many bits that, are, I mean, I think the bit where she's spinning around on the ice rink, and it's sped up. I mean, that just is hilarious. That's mm-hmm. like Benny Hill shit. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and when she lets go of the guys and they stream across the ice rink towards the walls, that's sped up as well. Mm. And that shit's just flat out funny. I mean, that's just... Uh, some, a lot of the stuff with the birds, I think, is really funny mm. um, because it looks really crummy. The bit where um, uh, Glenn Ford's eye gets pecked out in a car is really crummy. Yeah. Like a really stinky effect. And it's quite funny as well, because it pecks at his eye, and it's like a big plastic eyeball in a plastic face. Like a boiled egg. Like a boiled egg. Yeah. A boiled egg. <laughs> but, he, but, but, it, but it gets pecked pretty severely, because it probably is a, you know, a boiled egg or something, mm-hmm. or something that birds might peck at. Mm. Anyway, on the next scene, it's normal Glenn Ford, he's just got his eyes shut. <laughs> and I love shit like that. <laughs> yeah. We're meant to believe we've gone from the eye egg pecking scene yeah. so he's just got his eyes shut I think there's a trickle of blood coming out like a tear yeah. like a tear of blood after his eyes just been completely eviscerated mm. and I mean you can imagine imagine that a popped eye yeah. what, that, what that would actually look like with Ooh. that viscous fluid all running down and your pupil yeah. you know would be on your cheek so when, and it's and all, all hanging out and blah you know gross when, and it's when, just shut his eye you know when you were at School, yes. Did you ever have to dissect an eye? I dissect an eye, yes. It was a lot harder than you give it credit for. So, I wonder even if a bird would be able to peck an eye out. Maybe. The point is, if you cut into an eye, it explodes (laughs) with kind of thick, clear, viscous jelly, jelly, guck. Yeah. Yeah? And I mean, if that had actually happened, it's just just funny. Yeah. Because in the next scene, he's just got his eyes shut and it's like, I didn't notice that because I was too busy worrying about his lip. Well, yeah, was, was you really? Yeah, I really was. Well, it, really? His lip reminded me of Geordie Verrill in Creepshow. Right, right, That's right. Basically, all I was thinking. <laughs> Throughout most of the film, in fact, I think before the film even started, I was worrying about his lip and I hadn't even seen it. So, um, I, like the li- <laughs> I like the light show stuff. Do you? Yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's <laughs> like, Baffling 2001-esque. I was like, chuckling at how much they just reused the same footage of him standing in front of a star field. Throwing his arms up in the air, 100%. looking up and down. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just like the mishmashiness of it all. Yeah. Like, I like the, you know, six different movies and not really going to settle on which one is the right one or which one we want to actually remake properly. Um, <laughs> or rip off. And probably. make it a mess of all of them. Yeah, uh, it's a, f- a very, f- very, very funny interview with Lance Henriksen on a Blu-ray where he talks about you know what a shit show uh, the visitor <laughs> is, and, and he says the funniest <laughs> bit. The funniest bit is he says, um, you know, he was he's like it was a job, it was a film, mm. and it had like some really cool people in it. Like so, he was saying how how he enjoyed hearing all John Houston's stories on the set. He says, 
um, Shirley Winters was a bit of a bitch. She's got cool stories to tell, but I think the funniest one was uh, when the film opened, he went to see it at 42nd Street at like the one theatre that he was playing at with a bunch of his friends. Um, and he's like, uh, you know, it's, a, it's just a bit of a crazy experience and I don't really know what to expect from it. Uh, but it's kind of fun, you know, take, taking your friends to see a film that you're in. And he got to the theatre and this was the first time that he saw the poster for the film. And if you've not seen the original poster, it's like a giant eyeball in space with, with um, claws, with, uh, yeah, with, with, actually with lightning all around it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's on the if you've got the Arrow uh, Blu-ray, it's on the reverse side of the yeah, Arrow Blu-ray. I didn't Blu-ray. wonder what that was. And about. then there's two claws yeah. holding like a wire, garrote wire, yeah, with <laughs> blood hanging off it. And then there's a city landscape and a rooftop of a building that's got like a runway of lights, which is the art installation. And Alan Erickson sees this poster and he's like, and, he, and, he, and it's clearly completely different to his experience of being on this film. And he turns to his mates and he says, and he apologised <laughs> before they even went in. <laughs> and apparently there were about 30 people in the, in the screen uh, about half of them were, were Lance's acting buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, at the end of the film, somebody from the balcony says, I want my money back! <laughs> and that was Lance Erickson's first experience of going to the cinema to see a film that he was in. Um, which I think sums up uh, a lot of, uh, you know, The Visitor. I mean, I didn't want my money back. I did feel cheated in some way. Yeah, <laughs> felt like I hadn't delivered on something... It should have. I feel like there were promises made and and, um, yeah. and not kept, um, <laughs> but I did kind of enjoy it, and I do enjoy all these kind of Italian rip-offs of um, American blockbusters yeah. from the from the from the kind of era of the I guess seventies and eighties, um, of which I think this is a kind of fun example because. It, like in a lot of bad films that we enjoy, um, you've got someone in there who has a vision. Yeah. Um, and either doesn't have the... Usually what happens is that person doesn't have the technical expertise to realise that vision. Interestingly, in The Visitor, I think this guy has nothing but technical expertise. You know, he, he was a DP for Fellini. He knows, the, he knows film. <coughs> but here he's being asked to produce something that is like a genre movie that is a rip-off of other movies. Yeah. So he's been asked specifically to do, you know, a horror exorcist rip-off or, you know, a sci-fi movie. Um, but it's not really where his interests lie. And at the juxtaposition of those two things battling for, su- like, supremacy, you end up with this f- kind of batshit bonkers Yeah, I think... Film. It- it feels to me like a product of the uh, kind of before Star Wars kind of solidified what sci-fi would be for a while. In the seventies, you had all that kind of dreamy, kind of almost art house, like altered states kind yeah. of that kind of almost thing. like Holy Mountain esque. Yeah, kind of try- sure. trying to do imagery. Yeah, but still, I think that still following in the footsteps of 2001, maybe. Yeah. For yeah. maybe a decade, we had sci-fi that was about... A bit, a bit trippy. That was philosophical, yeah. maybe. Yeah. A bit trippy, and a bit and a bit about the human experience. <laughs> yeah. And, 
yeah, and I think there's elements of that uh, in here. And also a guy, I think, that's just interested in doing some visual stuff, irrespective of whether it fits into the, <laughs> sure. into the actual story. And not even worrying about that, not even trying yeah. to get it, not even adjusting anything to make it fit into the story. I mean, again, the screenwriter says that he wanted that the director wanted a scene in the film to show how evil the girl was, and what he what he wanted was um, the, the so he wanted a scene where she ties a garrote wire around Lance Henriksen's balls. And then attaches the other half end of the wire to a typewriter, and then thro- throws the typewriter <laughs> out of the window right. to rip uh, Lance Henriksen's balls off. Right. And and the and the screenwriter says, "Well, you can't do any of that <laughs> because a doesn't make sense. B Lance Henriksen's on her side, <laughs> so you know he's one of the cabal, so." Yeah kind of wouldn't make sense for, for her to do that and um and 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 really that that's that's how you want to demonstrate that she's evil by having to rip someone's balls off she's like eight yeah. it's not gonna play yeah. you know? yeah. i mean it, it was the the crucifix scene in in uh, exorcist is almost doesn't play but 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 somehow works but but um uh, I think because there's there's not it's not like a planned activity it's it's like a frenzied thing. Here is someone planning to remove somebody's balls. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's yeah. kind of it's nasty shit, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, and he says we just got to move this. We just can't write this. And he goes to the producer and says, um, "What do you want me to? What do you want me to do?" Um, John Miller, and he says, "Yeah, just just write it. We're not going to film it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, isn't and that's interesting, isn't it? I kind of think again, this is a this, the the money people and the and the guy they've hired to make it are not yeah. simpatico in this film at all about what they want to make, mm. and the result is this. I kind of think fairly fun, but mental, back crazy bullshit Italian rip off, cheapo knockoff with loads of actors, you know, who probably kind of wish it wasn't on their CV, yeah, and, and are all acting just the you know, just just slightly slightly embarrassed by the whole <laughs> by the whole affair whilst they're in it. Have you got any idea how it did? I'm, I'm assuming not well. I've got I've got no idea, but I'm yeah. but I'm also assuming not well. Yeah. I don't, I don't I mean, think it was yeah. successful. Oh, I don't know if it was successful in Italy. Mm. It certainly wasn't successful in the US, right? Uh, so, or another territory. So I'm going to say it really probably not as damaging as it could have been had it been more widely seen. I mean, because Lance Henriksen did okay. Uh, but I say everyone else, their careers were pretty much done, weren't they? Yeah, and, so, it's, and it's not that I think that was the, that's the thing that they, that they were worried about. Because I, I actually think Lance Henriksen was happy to get film work. And like yeah. you say, those other guys in the, in the dwindling years of their career were probably happy with the work as well. Yeah. It was more they know the reason that they're there. Yeah. Yeah. It's financial. Yeah. You know, and these are all people that are either trying to become famous or who have been famous. So Glenn Ford's in Three Ten to Humor. That's my very favourite western of all time. Mm. You know, all of these guys, John Huston, all of these guys are, you know, have made Treasure of Sierra Madre. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and I think they're all just slightly embarrassed to be 
slumming it. Mm. And I think that kind of comes through a bit in the in in their performances. Mm. You know, I think it's all a little bit just cringy. Yeah. I think they're cringing a little bit. I think you can kind of yeah. see that because also you're cringing a little bit for them <laughs> because you also know who they all are and you've also seen Treasure of the Sierra Madre <laughs> and all of these great things that they've done and you feel a bit sorry for I think you feel a bit sorry for Glenn Ford when his egg eyeball is getting picked out yeah, by, yeah, yeah. By, you know, by by pretend hawks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I think they're all kind of adds to the fun of it all. I enjoyed the visitor uh, uh, a lot. I thought it was a uh, I thought it was a laugh, and I thought it had some fun set pieces in it. Cool. Well, that's right. it. I've got. I mean, I looked up some reviews. Right. You know, some people because this is a cult film. Some people think it is. You know, like superb. Like really? You know, yeah, no, they really do. I think some people, recognising all of its faults, still see plenty to admire in it. Right. Uh, and there's some people that just think it is a, a total, you know, uh, a waste of film. Mm. Um, and I think, but if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it was something that was quite high, like seventy or eighty percent, because because there's a lot of film critics that are that think fondly of it or appreciate its kind of, you know artistic undertones <clears throat> or who had visits from people who told them it'd be shame I told them yeah it'd be shame yeah. <laughs> shame if it's got bad reviews yeah it? wouldn't it yeah. Be, be a shame. shame if you lost your fingers yeah. and couldn't type any more nice, reviews nice typewriting shame if something happened to your wrists <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair fair yeah. so um, so who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows how many of those reviews to trust? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a cult it's a cult film. It's uh, got some supporters, like all cult films have mm. some supporters, don't they? Yeah. Um, so I, that's all I've got to say about the Visitor. Let's yeah. come back and talk about something else next time. Yeah? Let's do that. What? Okay. Well, I've been good. I've been Scott and I've been JP and we'll be talking about the visitor and we'll be back again next time to play something else. else some other some pile of shit that we've dug up <laughs> ta-ra